Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. It's been another interesting trading week. We're going to really drive into some um, rumors of cancellations that turned into some positives by the time Friday hit us. We'll look at those export numbers as well as we'll be talking about 2014 when it comes to the live in the feeders when these cattle and how it compares to today. But we've got a lot to look at when we look at the global effects of what we've been seeing on the market. So stick around. We've got more coming up right after this. Meet the champions of innovation in the heart of Nebraska. They're not just farmers and they nurture more than just crops. Pushing boundaries and turning challenges into opportunities. They trade knowledge and know-how and their dedication doesn't end at harvest. It's in your every bite and every drive. The future of food, fuel, and fiber and the future of Nebraska starts right here. And welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me today, Jim McCormick and Brian Split. Both gentlemen are with agmarket.net. And an interesting week that really in the end, I mean, you looked at the numbers and I thought maybe we could see some positivity finish out. Not as uh, thick as what we saw earlier in the week. Kind of give us your, your overall, was it export numbers that were coming out? Was it cattle and feed report? What do you think was the biggest takeaway um, from this week to have the markets finish out like they did? Well, I think the market's extremely oversold, number one. Uh, we had a report a week ago, and it just didn't give us the bullish data that we needed to see the market react to uh, immediately and turn the market around. Uh, so we went and made new lows this week, and that was true for corn, soybeans, and all three classes of wheat. Uh, but yesterday, I think, was an important day. Uh, yesterday, we made those new lows uh, for the move, and then we turned around and finished higher uh, on the day and near the highs for all three products. Um, and that's something that we really haven't seen. And a lot of the trade recently has been, you know, let's buy beans today and we'll sell corn and wheat. And then another day we're going to buy corn and wheat and we're going to sell beans. So for all three corn, soybeans and wheat, and, and then all three varieties of wheat to go and make new lows for the move and then close higher on the day near the highs is something we haven't seen where they do it all in concert. Um, and so we haven't actually seen uh, that bad of a loss for the week, as bad as it felt earlier in the week. We had really good export sales this morning. Uh, that was what was done last week. Uh, and so we've seen a, a weekly total for corn, beans, and wheat that is well above what we need to do on a weekly basis to hit the current USDA goal. Well, Jim, and you were talking before we started this program, and there was a lot of rumors at the beginning of the week of cancellations. Definitely got a nice surprise on a Friday morning when numbers were released. Exactly. I mean, that's what pressured the market. A lot of midweek was rumors of cancellations. As it turns out, China wasn't canceling. They were buying our contacts were surprised about that, Susan, because who's been doing the buying for the Chinese is not the crushers. It is the government. It's China Sinograins buying it. And traditionally, when they are the buyers of beans, they're kind of like us, our government. They make the deal, then they move on. So it wasn't a surprise to find out that they were canceling it. Why are they buying our beans? Even though maybe Brazil beans are a little bit cheaper, our beans store a lot better. That is the reality. So when China wants to essentially buy beans to refill their reserves, they tend to buy U.S. beans instead of the Brazilian beans. You know, and I thought it was interesting, too, because a, just a week ago, everybody was worried and nervous about the Thai, uh, the elections that is in Taiwan and how that was going to affect the way we saw the markets trade. Now we start into the, the trade week and we've got a lot of geopoliticals that were talked about in the grain complex. Do you see that influencing what we see coming into next week's trade? 
I think in the in the geopolitics, at least on the grain side of China, you know, the China Taiwan thing essentially we need to keep an eye on. But the reality is, you know, I think most people are saying China's not in a position to make a really hard political, you know, military move on them. You know, we need to kind of keep an eye on what's going on. We are have two theaters of war for the first time since World War II going on, obviously in the Ukraine, as well as what's going on in the Middle East. The grain is getting pushed out of the Ukraine, which is good. But the Middle East situation, what you're finding is, you know, they can't get it through the Red Seas or they're struggling, which means they're going to have to go around Africa, which is going to drive the cost of everything up, um, up to a million dollars in extra couple of weeks. That brings the inflation argument back into play again as the government's, you know, as the Fed's been trying to tap that down. So that's where that your impact could be. And then the other thing I'm going to look at and argue with Susan is, there's not a lot of war premium, I would argue, in the energy markets right now. The market really has, it's almost like it has forgotten the lessons it learned in COVID. And what I mean by that is pre-COVID, the world just got so used to just-in-time delivery. Order it, and it would get there. You know, order it today to get there tomorrow. Products that were, were going to be delivered tomorrow were made the day before. COVID threw that all in the air. We saw inflation. We've kind of got that back underlined again, but now here it is again. You look at what's going on in the Middle East in the shipping routes and even the problems in the Panama Canal. We're not getting product through the Panama Canal, but the world right now is just assuming, you know, we're back to square one pre-COVID and if I need it, it'll get there. So, uh, you know, if something really gets disruptive, you could see inflation come back in and that, you know, could drive crude oil prices up and that may spill over into the other markets. Brian, what are your thoughts on those export sales numbers that came out on a Friday morning? Yeah, so they came out today because we had a holiday on Monday. Typically, those are released on a Thursday. And these are the sales that were done for the total week last week. And, um, you know, we had some really disappointing sales when we were looking at what was done over the holidays. That should not be a surprise. That's a very quiet week. Um, So to see the corn sales and the soybean sales and the wheat sales all at the upper end or above the upper end of the expected range is positive. Uh, and then it, when you look at what the USDA has is plugged in for as far as exports for the total marketing year and what we need to do every week to hit that goal, uh, the sales for all three products were well above uh, what we need to do on a weekly basis. So hopefully if we can kind of see that continue over the next several weeks into months into the end of the quarter, uh, then the USDA should have uh, information to make them compelled uh, to increase their their export uh, uh, forecasts for all three products. Uh, and then you think about corn, we're running well above the pace that we need to run for corn for ethanol as well. Um, and that's, I think, another category where we can expect a further revision higher on demand. Um, and let's face it, with the yield number that we just got from the USDA, uh, that is now probably the, you know, our, our worst case scenario from a bearish standpoint. The production number is not going to get bigger um, and so now it's up to demand to whittle those ending stocks down from the numbers we got on Friday last week. So do you think that could take some nervousness out of the out of the sale, per se, if we're having export numbers better than expected? Because many folks had kind of thought it had kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. Yeah, one week does not make a trend. Uh, it was great to see this week. Uh, what I like about it, it wasn't just one product. It was all three products. Uh, but we need to definitely string together multiple weeks like that in order for us to feel like the USDA is definitely going to be compelled to make adjustments. Uh, we're going to get another WASDA report in February, and uh, we'll see if there's enough evidence for them to touch export demand again. But uh, I think as we get towards the end of the quarter, as we approach March, 
Um, we're going to have more information as far as exports and the pace we're running at at that point. And I think between now and then, we're going to really be thinking a lot more about what the planting scenario is going to look like. And for a lot of producers where new crop corn and soybeans are sitting currently, uh, it is below the cost of production. And so uh, I think there's going to be conversations, whether right or wrong, uh, that we could be seeing a, a, a lower acreage potential because of where values sit currently. So, Jim, what's your thoughts when you look at the, the macro picture at this point? Right now, I think you got to be a little bit positive. I mean, if you look where we're at right now, S&P is making all-time highs. A lot of people didn't think that was going to happen. You know, they're pretty bearish, and the markets just did a counter-seasonal or counter-logical rally. And I think more importantly, what came out today was Mich Michigan consumer sentiment. Uh, it really jumped quite a bit. Um, it's almost up 21, 22% from where it was a year ago. You take the December number as well as the January number. It is the best you know, consumer joke, sentiment jump since 1991. So that's a good sign, uh, you know, that the consumers out there because the fear was the consumer would retrench. Susan, coming out of the holidays, you hear all the stories about the consumer debt being so much. The thought was the consumer would feel bad about his economic situation which would be a little bit negative draw in the stock market. Well, this survey at this point says that's not to be, and that could be a positive boom for not just uh, the grains, but maybe the livestock as well. Well, speaking of the livestock, I mean, obviously we've got some concerns in the weather and what it's done and loss of cattle weights and, and lack of being able to move these animals to processing facilities. Do you see that building into next week's trade as we hopefully get past this last cold snap like this for a while? Well, I think it should. I mean, it's going to take a while to, you know, those pounds that we lost during this cold snap, you know, you're, you can't get them back in essence. You got to just continue to feed them longer. But I think it's a combination. So you've got essentially a tighter supply of beef coming to market. The box beef in general has had a heck of a run pull back here recently. But it shows you the combination. The market is still bidding up. The consumer wants it. He's willing to pay up for it combined with a tighter supply. We, uh, you know, hopefully we'll keep this going. The cattle feed number today did not shock the market in general. I think they call it more than likely neutral. So hopefully we'll just go back to the status quo and we continue to see that cash market continue to firm. And like I said, a positive consumer sentiment. The charts, I think, look a little bit friendly on this cash cat on the on the livestock. You took out the 50-day moving average. So technically, that would argue maybe a move back up to the 100-day, 200-day possibly. All right. Well, Brian, look at 2014 compared to what you see in 2024. 10 years, what's the difference between the live and the feeders from then to now? Yeah, so uh, 2014, we made new record highs at that time for both live cattle and feeder cattle. Um, those highs were made in the month of October. And uh, this year we made our, our new record highs in September. And so what we saw in both instances, 2014 and in, in 2023, uh, was a three month pullback. Uh, and so both years, the scale of the pullback from just a nominal value, the amount of dollars that we came off the highs, and also as a percentage, were very, very similar. Um, so now it appears evident here we are a month and a half later after making these lows in December that that indeed was a good, strong low. Uh, we both the live cattle and the feeder cattle have been in what I would call an upward trending channel. Uh, both products were able to break through the upper end of that channel yesterday, and uh, we had some very strong gains. So uh, if we can continue to do what we did in that 2014 time frame, which then trickled into 2015, the early part of 2015, uh, both markets, the live cattle and the feeder cattle, 
uh, retraced roughly 62% of the whole break off the highs. Uh, and then actually just a touch more than that 62% retracement. And that's a very uh, technical, that's a Fibonacci level that a lot of the traders are going to watch. So if we can continue to get the cattle market to push higher uh, between now and the end of the quarter, as far as how the timing should match up, uh, that might get our feeder cattle market on a front month basis back up around the 240 area. Uh, maybe we could get the live cattle area back up around 180. And um, that I think is something that the producer should be really taking a long, hard look at because if things then follow through like they did back in 2014, we could see an actual catastrophic move over the next year to year and a half uh, after making that retracement. So that's probably a, a time frame where if that move comes to fruition, we really want to look at being a buyer of puts, uh, getting these LRP programs in place, however you manage risk. Uh, if we can get a, a good recovery in the end of quarter, I think that's something every cattle producer should be thinking about. All right. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us this week. It's always a pleasure, Susan. Thank you. Thank you so much. And by the way, we're going to be catching up with them a couple more times and then into Commodity Classic as well. And I always want to remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.